Hello and welcome to Shop Small, Eat Big, where each episode we'll be speaking to an artisan food or drink business, baking, brewing, creating, making fantastic produce and selling it throughout the UK. We get under the hood to understand what inspired them, how the business got started and the detail and love that goes into their products. Hope you enjoy listening. If you do, please give us a like, share, follow on our social media page, Pueblo UK, and any comments, please feel free to reach out on our contact email, hello at pueblofood.co. In this week's episode, I have the pleasure of being joined by the founder behind Brighton-based Hoogly Tea, Tina Gloggengeiser. Being the absolute tea enthusiast that Tina is, it has enabled her to create a, quite frankly, vast set of unique and healthy set of tea blends. Some of the blends, as you will hear, will literally blow my mind into an incomprehensible state. Hoogly's mission is to combine that Nordic Hooga feeling and moment with the finest natural ingredients. We have all of this plus confirmation that tea sommeliers exist, just in case you needed any more reason to listen in. Right, so on this episode of uh, Shop Small, Eat Big, I have the co-founder, the founder, sorry, of uh, Hoogly Tea, uh, Tina Gloggenkaiser. Tina, hello. hello. Nice to meet you. I suppose something that when we were just talking about before we were uh, actually recording on the podcast was um, the first question that always springs to mind the most for me is, is you know, did the start of Hoogly Tea, was it, was it always a, a, a sort of a passion for yours? Was it a hobby just in terms of the sense that you're just interested in tea or was this just something that happened one day and you thought, well, there's a gap in the market for this. Like what, what was it? Was, was tea wasn't your subjects of subject of expertise, so to speak, huh? No. Yeah. So basically I'm really passionate about food and drink. I absolutely love it. And my background's um, food. So chefing and ingredients and eating. And I love tea and my parents live in Asia. So I went out in Asia a lot and I tried so many amazing teas. Mm. And then I just thought one day, do you know what? I would love to see teas, but more on a foodie perspective. How can I create these tea blends and make them like a little bit more extra indulgent by just adding certain um, ingredients? And I'd want to do it as eco-friendly as possible and as indulgent. Um, And also being Danish, I wanted to spread the joy of our lifestyle. So Hugo. So I just thought it all kind of went hand to hand. So to you know, not take the simple things like a cup of tea for granted and make them extra indulgent and cherish them. And I think when it's funny that when people use the word artisan, um, I think you traditionally think about food as opposed to drink. And I I like the fact that you just said there that you, you know, you're a big foodie and you always, you know, artisan food. I don't Mm. always think that necessarily people look to innovate or create sort of a degree of independence about something like tea. I think tea yeah. is just, you know, you go into your, you go into your supermarket and you, you pick up some tea or it's, it's not necessarily something that people would have perhaps previously thought about going a little bit outside of the box. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, it's a little bit daring in some of my blends, and people are like, <laughs> maybe, wow, yeah. I've never heard of them before. But, you know, <laughs> once they taste it, they were like, wow, actually, I didn't realize you could enjoy marzipan in a tea, but yes, you can. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that, that, that's actually a really good point. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to sample some of your teas, and um, I tried the, uh, the Rooibos. Uh, oh, yes, tea. which one? It was the one that was the, the Danish pastry. Danish pastry, yeah. Yeah. So the but just the, the smell like from the tea bag was just absolutely incredible. And it, you had some uh cow cow nibs, I think, in there yes, as well. Cow cow nibs and cinnamon. And the yeah. cinnamon was was strong. It was but it wasn't overpowering, but it was just really it just seemed to just work so well. Um yeah, it's really important to, to get the right balance because it's so easy to overpower it, but it's also easy not to have enough taste. So it's finding that balance, which is the hard part. But it, yeah, that's where I actually have, work along with a tea, uh, tea sommelier who actually yeah. specializes in getting the balances right for me. So yeah. I come up with all the ingredients and all the creations and he helps me you know, just to help get the right balances and stuff. Yeah, and I suppose when you went to begin your journey like with with yeah. Hoogly Tea um yeah we've almost taken a, a couple of steps like how did you get started I mean I suppose you, you know you weren't a tea expert did you sort of no, leave really. the expertise of of that sommelier straight away like you know how did you come up with the sort of first couple of flavors oh, I, where did you start I basically funny enough that no, I was just um thinking I love tea and everything and I was thinking I I like I loved what I was doing. I was working with my dad's company, but I was thinking, do you know what? It's not something I'm passionate about. I want to find something that I love. So I just Googled yeah. and searched. And then I came across this place where I could get all the tea ingredients that I wanted um, from a factory and put a play around with it. And yeah. I thought, um, do you know, and I saw another tea company was actually up for sale. And I asked them, where do you source all your ingredients from? And they gave me the ingredient the details of it. And then from there, I thought, right, well, I'm going to need a specialist as well on board to help me get the balances right. And then we can educate each other. And then, I mean, I've opened his, his eyes to a lot of things ways I've never introduced some tea before. And he's taught me so much about the whole industry. And so now, yeah, I wouldn't say I was a tea expert, but I'm certainly know it very well now. I, learned, I think I you're getting close to it now. Yeah, almost. Um, I mean, I didn't even realize um, people that were that experienced with tea could even... Um, Call themselves a sommelier. Like I thought that was yeah. just, just over wine. Like that's that's it's incredible. The proper qualification they do. I mean, I've not gone down that route because I, I don't necessarily need to, but because um, I'm I'm qualified chef. But um, yeah, yeah, learning and yeah, it's a whole new world and it's fascinating. It really yeah. is. Take me through a little bit about your your sourcing process and the, the ingredients and your ideas behind mm-hmm. like the flavors. Like what mm-hmm. what goes on? Like where does the tea sort of originate from? Right. So. I use most of the black teas sourced from Sri Lanka. Um, I get a little bit, obviously, of Darjeeling and Assam, and that all from India. Nice. Um, I think my favorite district of green tea would be Yunnan in China. Um, and then a little bit in Taiwanese and Weebos yeah. you can only get in South Africa. Exactly. Obviously, my dream is to be able to actually produce it here in this country because we do everything else eco-friendly and manufactured UK. Everything's pretty much done here. Just... You can't grow the tea leaves here, which yeah. is a really And that's a, that's a weather, I mean, that's a weather, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of constraints, isn't it, in terms of industry? Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, weather is a plays a big part in that, doesn't it? Massively. Hopefully one day, but you never know. Yeah. It's a good point, actually, because, uh, I mean, uh, just a few months ago, in, in between the... Um, 
periods of lockdown when we were able to to leave um my, my partner and i went to visit a um uh, a vineyard in, yeah. uh, in in surrey and um one of the guys who was taking us around the tour was just saying that you know through through global warming it's actually sort of the south of england surrey kent kent in particular sussex surrey are getting to a point now where they're starting to grow like pretty good grapes like similar to yeah, say the champagne variety wine. yeah yes. white wine like a lot of stuff. around this region we have night timber and um that's it yeah i can't remember the ridge view and a few oh they're amazing yeah 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 so yeah. never you never know right one day maybe maybe your dream could come true you might be able to we'll just see <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what's, what's the sort of idea, like take the, um, the Danish pastry, um, how, how on earth do you come up with an idea like that? Because I, I I mean, this is maybe my inexperience in terms of, you know, I would have just always walked into a supermarket and gone, okay, Yorkshire tea or whatever, like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's straightforward. Like how did you get to a point where you were beginning to, I mean, I suppose there's an experimentation process, right? Like trying. Yeah, that, that took me six months to get right. That one, the Danish pastry is, it really? was an awkward one because, and it's not your traditional, the way that the UK sees a Danish pastry. It's the one that's, it's called the chocolate snail in Denmark. That's I literally took the ingredients of, of making this pastry and you obviously remove the sugar, the butter and all that. And you like very protect, like a boss is kind of pastry based, natural taste anyway. Mm. And you just kind of play around with different ingredients and until you match what you're tasting. Um, but some people might not think it doesn't taste like a typical Danish pastry because it's this, it's the specific one. But I can't call it a chocolate snail because that doesn't sound very appealing. So I called it the Danish pastry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like with the tiramisu so we add um i added like coffee beans and um yeah it's many sri lankan black tea and just getting like the natural flavoring to replicate it so obviously it's it's not just ingredients in there that's making the taste it, it's it, i've got natural oils that help yeah. you know come up with a wonderful aroma yeah uh, but yeah it it's just playing around with it really yeah what i like to eat i want to create in a team <laughs> and that was actually you, you seem to be calling out my my questions really well i mean you are um a qualified chef i, I presume yeah. in your past life that was something that you did like how i'd imagine the skills are just you know extremely transferable over into the creation of yeah. I mean, it's like where chefs develop meals or they develop you know different different types of plates of food the same yeah. way that you take those skills and you develop a, a flavor in in your tea bags right yeah, in your tea yeah. it's just about being creative and thinking what 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 ingredients goes well with each other and just coming up with new and innovative things and yeah. yeah i guess that's very much what a chef does as well exactly um, but unfortunately i mean i i didn't go on to being like a michelin star chef or anything like that um i just did it for like three or four years and i left it because it was it was long hours. It was yeah. hard long hours. And I went into my dad's business and then I realized, hang on, I miss being, not doing something with food and drink. And then I came back and now I absolutely love doing the teas every day. Yeah. yeah. So you, you took the plunge, you set up the business, um, yeah. you created some um, incredible new flavors and you played around, experimented, leveraged the expertise of a tea sommelier. What was it like for you when you needed to bring some sales in, you needed to bring some, bring some money in. Like how, 
was that process for you in terms of sort of getting out there and getting the brand known? Like what, what sort of steps did you take in order to? Um, it, yeah, it was really tough, actually, really tough. And the first trade show I did was a real shock. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? I knew nothing about the industry, you know, and they didn't like my packaging. They didn't like this. I mean, I got annihilated. But the fact that I learned a lot the first year. and from what, what, what makes you think you got annihilated? What was it? Was it just people asking you questions that you didn't know the answer to? Or, no, no, or? it wasn't that. They, they, I used to, it didn't look completely different. They, and it was called Hoogity, um, not Hoogity. And for starters, nobody knew what it meant back then. And everyone could pronounce it. And everyone's like, Tina, you're, you're underdoing the quality of your teas. Your packaging looks so basic. It looks like... Yeah. inside it's such a luxurious high quality ingredients and so they weren't annihilating me like yeah it, it was the constructive product. Loved the product, constructive. but not the packaging yeah. and the branding so my branding had to change big time and I kind of learned the hard way of what you know like retailers what people in the hospitality industry you know what they want and trying to you know about pricing and you know all that sort of thing because I'm not a salesperson at all and yeah. so I had to because I can't afford a salesperson or anything like that or a marketing person, or I can not anything. So I kind of had to do everything on board. And then my partner, Paul, came in to help me out. And then, yeah, I've just kind of grown from then. And now now I'm very feeling very confident in the field. But the first yeah. year was tough learning, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that's the... You have explained perfectly the what it's like. And the re- I think it shows the reality of what it takes to set up your own business and truly create something new. I think mm. we live in a world at the moment where there's a lot of um, a lot of spotlight on the idea and notion of, of of an entrepreneur and the idea that you know you, you should do this or it's easy to make money or it's easy to do a side hustle. There's you see a lot of that on social media, I <laughs> think, don't you? But you yeah. are you know proof that it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of graft. Lot of hard, definitely a lot of hard work. And and still now, you know, I'm not really in a position to be paying myself. I I, pump, I have to keep pumping in the cash flow. Keep developing keep you know small budget but just you know it, it it takes time but if you know I'm passionate about it so I'm gonna keep going yeah and when was your lucky when was the sort of the first lucky break like when did you get to the point where you know your, your first customer I, I understand so you, you got a got the retail side but then you also sort of decided to do a little bit of the wholesale route it's as well the we we where our main break was that we got involved, um, Condé Nast Johansson Hotels and also Pride of Britain Hotels wanted to, are uh, now, uh, we're like the, the partners. Was they found you at, a, at the trade show? Is that where yeah, they? Exactly. Awesome. Well, Condé Nast Johansson, who's like also Vogue, Condé Nast, and they found us and then they heard from someone else and then Pride of Britain, we've got, so from them, we've got introduced and got into these wonderful four, five star luxury hotels. And that's kind of where we specialize and who we generally work with. And yeah. it's such a fascinating industry and I love it. And, yeah. I, and it's great. I can't yeah. imagine that you, when you first created the business, that that's, I mean, you always try to think, okay, well, who's my target customer, so to speak. Yeah. Probably originally thought it was just people like me, right? Like maybe you sell in a supermarket or you pick it yeah. up or you're online that you didn't think I mean, hotels. To be honest, I never, ever wanted to go down the supermarket route, never, because it, they ruin you. Um, they don't ruin you. That's a bit harsh, but it's a big, big risk, I should say, because yeah. if your product's not selling, you, you, you're in trouble. But if it is, yeah. you are, but it's, it's hard. But with, in the hospitality industry, because obviously the whole afternoon tea experience and everything, 
I, I knew it wasn't the normality. It's more of an experience. It's something a little bit more exciting. So it's not, it's, and if you price me up compared to the everyday brew, people are not going to pick me in a supermarket either. I mean, we do well on Ocado. We're with them, but but that's different because that's a weekly, they do a weekly purchase. But if you go into a supermarket, your your cash flow needs to be humongous because <laughs> they, so it's a bit yeah. too high risk. Yeah. Uh, What's been the, if you could, say one or two things what was sort of the biggest challenge for you either getting the business going or you know was there a point when you were starting the business that you suffered a major setback you know maybe in the sourcing of the supplies or like what was the big big problem for you one big setback we had was the name I I was uh, someone told me that they had legally patented it and you know if I carry on with his name they're going to take me to court I thought oh my gosh I've literally just had everything done in this this name so I had to rebrand. Well, it's kind of rebranding anyway. As I mentioned in the first trade show, they didn't annihilate me, but they kind of helped me, guide me to how I need to make the actual, explain my product better. So so with that and obviously this name, I've had to, that was took me back about six months. And then, yeah, it was almost a year and it was expensive. But, yeah. you know, but that's fine. I'm over that now, <laughs> but it, rather <laughs> it happened early than it happened, like for example, now where I'm more developed, that would have been even harder. What would you have said to yourself, like looking back now, you know, in terms of where you are and 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 how far the business has gone? If you were yeah. starting again from day one, what 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 do you what would you sort of say to yourself? If it's anything, I sense you've learned a lot along the way, right? You've I've done learned a lot. The best way is you know keep making mistakes is the best way to learn that's what i say because you you know no one's perfect there's, there's always going to be new things that you know then you start going international then you have to learn about pallet structure you have to learn about just all these different logistics and yeah there's every single day and week there's there's a new challenge there's a new area and it's fascinating and don't be afraid of it that's what i say make the mistake and learn from it so absolutely yeah that's just go in with no fear yeah <laughs> um now it's a it's a difficult subject of course um but with everything that's going on at the moment it's completely yeah. shut down the industry that you you know ultimately sell into right yeah, and hospitality yeah. hotel, people aren't turning up for afternoon teas anymore no. um, <laughs> what's um what's what's the plan have you had to sort of really change tact um Fortunately, the online, so yeah, obviously all the hospitality is shut down and that's obviously our biggest by far, like probably 80% of our business. But luckily on the upscale, you've got loads of people buying online. So we've had all these new customers come online and ordering directly. And also we do a cardo that continues and we've got lots of subscription boxes and things like that, which has been booming quite a lot recently. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess I've just really been patient. I, I volunteered for the first lockdown because I just thought, you know what, I'm not, I'm not even going to try it. I'm just going to go and work at a food bank, go back in the right. kitchen. And I did that for about three months and then, I, and then just got through it. And then come, I think after the second, and then the second lockdown, people seemed to be a little bit different. They seemed mm-hmm. to be, or maybe because it was cold and it was tea season. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> in the summer when it's hot, people don't really think tea so much. That's a good so I haven't had time to volunteer since, since yeah, I've been busy since, was it? I don't know, since the second yeah. lockdown, I think it's all right. Maybe yeah. you could, you're talking about the seasonality there. Maybe you could do yeah. an iced tea. 
it's, you've got you got an iced tea on. Well, we do make iced teas. You do. But people have to kind of brew it themselves. It's exactly the same bag. It's quite funny. People think it. it well, you take the bag and you brew it and you put it in the fridge and it's iced. It's exactly the same thing, but it's more with the okay. fruit teas. There's there's nothing really additional to it. Then it's just the no. Almost. It's just the way they like package it and brand yeah. it. But it is yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah, because I, I think. Yeah. When I think iced tea, I just think, you know, again, like the classic, like Lipton's or something like that. But again, oh, yeah, yeah. done so much better. You know, it's probably just... Well, they, they probably bottled it up and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Again, we probably wouldn't go down. Again, because it's it doesn't really fit in with our, like, indulgence of warmth and coziness. It's not really our brand. True. But, That's true. Yeah. That's true. But, but you, we can make it if you want it. By- <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> you, you mentioned... Um, you mentioned there that um, just in terms of the, the 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 diversification of the sales channel and how um, you know that's helping the business uh, you know keep 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 the money coming in and stuff. And you mentioned yeah. their subscription boxes. That feels like it's yeah. just really really just taken off in general with you know wh- whether it's you know meal deliveries or other various forms. Um, is, yeah. is, is, is have you been creating sort of your own subscription box or are you sort of leveraging off the back of other other businesses and um, they include your products within you know their their box so what's what's no we we more get um asked to do quite a few subscription boxes so we go into their boxes but we do one type of subscription box which is like repeat orders but it's not so they know what they want every month so for example they, they have like I don't know, five fifty bags of English breakfast, it automatically comes to the door every month. So we started that in January of that sort of repeat subscription, but not nice. like a surprise subscription. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on your website. So someone can go on and just order a sub so not like a box, so to speak, it but it's like a HelloFresh and you 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 come with the HelloFresh, like you you're actually on your website. People can subscribe and order a certain amount of tea over yeah. time, right? Repeat yeah. orders, yeah. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what's the, what are the plans for you this year? Do you sort of have anything um, in the pipeline in terms of new development, or um, what, what's on the agenda, or is it just the case of you know a lot of businesses' mentality at the moment, which is stay afloat? Survival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, survival's first. Survival's but without, <laughs> without COVID uh, in the picture then, yeah, I mean, it's just basically just keep growing, especially in the hospitality hotel sector. Yeah. Um, and also we do, we were supposed to do a big project with some hotels outside of UK. Who are, um, and so we're going to be doing a lot of them. But again, Brexit's come in the way. So now you're getting really good. At, um, you're getting really good at preempting my questions. This is oh, really, <laughs> I, I, was, I was literally just about to say, you know, what about, what about selling abroad? Yeah, mm. but of course, you know, Europe being our, our closest partner and biggest trading partner, at least was. Um, God knows what the statistics look like at the moment with that. How it's really it tough. Like we've we've we're having quite a few teething problems already. Like, um, yeah, it's not easy, and it's just. But I'm hoping it's just teething problems, and then after the next few months, hopefully it'll be a bit more smoothly. But at the moment, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, what are you finding is tough? I mean, because are European uh, hotels or partners kind of coming to you asking for for orders and then it's just sort of just the case of actually delivering it being the issue yeah. with the couriers and, and the... 
Well, luckily, I say luckily because obviously it's teething bit. We've only, all the, all the hotels are shut apart from one. There's one long-term one that needed some TASAP and it's still, I'd say, literally brewing in the post. I mean, it's being held up here, there, can't get in, paperwork. And we do have quite a few individual orders, um, like in Switzerland or wherever it might be. Oh my gosh, they'll be waiting like two weeks. It gets rejected. The pa- it's what used to be so easy is now so yeah. hard and complicated. It's like sending to America has become easier than sending to outside of the UK right now. It's ridiculous. And yeah, I actually get an order from America now. I'm like going, oh, that's really... Because <laughs> 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 if it's to Europe, it's like, ah. Oh. But, but that is, you know, the loudest and clearest evidence of reality. Yeah. You know, that is context right there. And I think that, I don't know, I have no idea how many people are listening to this podcast later on down the line, whether it's in a, in a few weeks or in a few years, who, know, who knows who's listening to us right now. <laughs> but, you know, at some point in time, um, there was an agreement and it was supposed to be supposed to be easy. It was supposed to be smooth. You know, everyone was sticking mm-hmm. their thumbs up saying this is great. And yeah. literally the day after you know, people were having trouble moving moving goods overseas because of complications and, and overall confusion. And as you say, yeah. that general unpreparedness, I think, for mm. um, what was going to happen. And people were uncertain. Businesses are uncertain. And it's therefore causing, as you, you know, in your case, delays, huge delays and paperwork. Lots of paperwork. I mean, we're fortunate that we're, we're not as affected as obviously some some companies. They're, oh, gosh. I mean, I've spoken to other companies who are like 90% outside of the UK and, oh my gosh, they're literally just on the phone all day to the customers forms. But again, I, I, I do believe it is just teething problems. Things will smooth out and will get easier. Good. Um, yeah. So we, we'll obviously keep doing it. Um, I'm luckily that in the tea side of it, there's still no extra charges, but I think they've started charging on some things. I think one of them was a furniture company I was talking to and he's getting charged a lot. It's, it's not necessarily free trade for everyone now. Thing. And does that come down to the actual sort of type of products that you, you that you're bringing in as well? Because I mean, with I, I I'd heard a rule that if you um if you sort of produced it in uh, in Europe or certain ingredients or certain areas that the manufacturing came from Europe and then was yeah. there was a little bit of added value done in the UK. Um, depending on how much of that manufacturing process happens in the UK depends on how easy it is for you to export it back into the eu so i think it's, yeah and i have read about different things and to yeah to be honest they're not explaining themselves very well either all we're getting is like it's rejection it's held up and that they're not giving us reasons mm. and because and they don't ask too much i mean yeah i have yeah i've read all about that and again i'm not 100 percent sure but isn't exactly but that's the point though isn't it that the, the businesses are still like yourself you know uk businesses are still um, in the dark yeah. to a large degree about how they are either buying goods from the EU or how they go about selling goods in the EU. There's just yeah. there's still that. There's not, there's not been as much clarity as I think that it could have been, but I, I hope you're right. I, I'd like to be optimistic that, as you say, it's, uh, it's more like teething problems. I really hope so. You've got to stay optimistic and positive, or otherwise, you know, yeah. No but no, yeah. yeah, there must be sorted because it, it's such an important relationship we've got with EU. We need to keep it going. Um, so, fingers crossed, we might go back into EU one day. But you know, 
don't know. Who knows? Um, so around the products, something yeah. that I feel like you really advertise and, and not just advertise, you, you genuinely care about. Um, another topic which I think has just grown massively in in spotlight and people seem to be thinking about it a lot more and, and being conscious of is the environment and mm, how how your products are also um you know being friendly being eco-friendly what um what sort of either sort of manufacturing processes or in the sourcing side or in the end product with your packaging like what considerations has hoogly tea um come up with well the most important thing i think is definitely the packaging like we we work our tea bags for example they're made out of uh, of plant extract so even the tag and the the tag and the, what do you call it, the string and all of it, it's, it's salsa approved. It's fully biodegradable. So you just put it in a compost. And um, we the gusset bags in our retail boxes is also fully biodegradable. And then obviously there's the cardboard. The only thing that we're working on is for the little wraps. They're not fully biodegradable yet, but they're recyclable, but not fully biodegradable. So that we're going to be changing in the next month or two. We've now managed to source a company or from someone that we know who could potentially do this yeah so we can officially say 100 but to be fair they're only for the hotels those little wraps they're not so much i know you've you've had a few of them but then they it's it's more, the retail side of it is all fully biodegradable even the refill big bags and everything and um, was that was that a difficult thing to achieve or did you find that that was actually easy now because i think no. Yeah, it, it's it wasn't difficult. More expensive. Oh yeah, you've got to pay a hell of a lot more. For it's your margins, isn't yeah. it? I think that especially mm. new businesses, they want to be conscious, but equally, um, I think packaging is. You know, you hit the nail on the head. I think businesses are totally considering the environment in things like packaging. But when you're starting up and you're a new business, you do care about your your margins and making sure that you, you're bringing you're bringing your in profit basically. But if the yeah. packaging is you know, so much more expensive with the eco-friendly option, the biodegradable yeah. option, as opposed to just, you know, your, your, your bog standard sort of Amazon boxes. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? But you've made oh, the choice. You've made, you've made that conscious decision to, to, to do From the start, I knew that I'm not going to go into something where I'm just adding more uh, extra carbon footprint and plastic. And I wanted yeah. it to be as natural and as healthy and eco-friendly as I can be. I mean, there's still, with a vast carbon footprint, obviously, I, that's what I said about the tea leaves. We, could, I, unfortunately, we have to get them from abroad, but at least they come in a slow boat. It's not been flown in or anything like that. Yeah, um, but most uh, yeah. is, isn't it? At the end of the day, most most tea is brought in from from other places around the world, right? And I think there are a lot of sus, uh, sustainability projects that happen in places like Sri Lanka and places yeah. like India that you've mentioned. So. You know, there is a, there can be a lot of support to the farmers, isn't it? Just being a, being a part of that is, is important, and it was good that you considered it as well. You know, that was an important part of your process. I I think is that you you can use that as part of your brand as well. That you know that you create that indulgent experience, but without the, as you say, without the heavy carbon footprint, and it's really yeah. important. Yeah. And no, no added preservatives or anything like rubbish in the teas because you you can get 
a bit of some flavourings with all sorts of e numbers and all sorts. But no, we 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 hundred percent natural. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's ama- amazing. I mean, like when I opened up the, um, I keep referring it, but the, 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 the Danish pastry. Yeah. Uh, I think the first thing that struck me, and you know, to anybody that's hopefully listening to to this to this podcast, and hopefully go goes out and, and, and buy some of your tea. I think the thing that struck me the most was just how fresh the, all the ingredients for in the in the actual tea bag yeah. were and the the smell that you you know with a normal tea bag cup of tea you just you you grab the tea bag you throw it in the mug you don't really think anything about it this the fragrance when it came out of the packet was just it was quite striking oh thank you yeah no it, it's important to me first of all to get that aroma to like really seduce you and you know focus in on it and then you've got to let it brew so our teas take longer to brew than your instant tea because uh, it is using the full leaf, um, and yeah, so in take just take about five minutes, have have a little wait, and then enjoy it. It's not was, in uh, and out, ash. Yeah, I, I was I was about to ask you that. Like, what's what's your optimum? Uh, what, what's your perfect tea? Well, for any, me personally, advice? Drink. yeah. Is there any advice where you think like the what's the proper way of of, of uh, drinking a cup of tea like does it just come down to things like the brewing time is that sort of like the main point here or is there sort of anything else that you do special like do you pick a certain mug in the same way that when you drink alcohol or you drink red wine and white wine you have a different glass for each I mean are we going for a specific tea mug here how detailed do we go (laughs) well I do say actually that a red mug is more appealing when you're drinking than other colors I've heard that somewhere but apparently so yeah but um, no, I think first it's important the brewing time, and also the if you're going to do a green and a white tea, it has to be eighty degrees. Put a bit of cold water on the tea leaves first before boiling, or you're going to singe the tea leaves, and it creates that bitterness. So if you do it at eighty degrees or the cold water version, it will give you such a different taste than you'll because most people just put straight away green tea boiling water, and that's why it's bitter. It's not supposed to be. That's really interesting. So how do you, um, so, I mean, you wouldn't probably use it, or would you still use a kettle for that? I mean, just yeah. not boil it all the way? So for it's, me, when I'm in a rush, I use my tea bags, but otherwise I'd use loose leaf. I just literally take my tea bag and then I rinse it under the cold water and I put it in my mug and put the boiling water on top and that kind of so stops kind of the singeing. Gives it a seal almost. Yeah, and if it's loose leaf, I just put a little bit of cold water on top of it before I put the kettle on. Um, or, but, but black tea is supposed to be 100 degrees straight on. And same with herbal, but the herbals take a lot longer to infuse. So just leave in as long as you can. Mm. And the black tea, I'd say five minutes. The green and white tea, I'd say three minutes. Yeah. Do you, your customers have a, have a, have a, have a favourite? Do you, do you seem to have seen a trend at all in a particular brew that uh, most people buy and and comment about yeah i I think for me the the reason why i've done so many blends with oibos is it seems to be quite very popular people are are tending to wanting to try different types of oibos so i've done like a blueberry muffin a marzipan with avocado a marzipan is by far our biggest seller that that does very well with them but then with all the restaurants and hotels and cafes then they never touch the marzipan so it's it's weird where one place it sells well and then i think obviously the english breakfast is obviously the most standard right the mint and the chocolate brownie ginger biscuit they seem to be the top sellers at the moment ginger so yeah there's two that really 
really took me there. Ginger biscuit and blueberry yeah. muffin, like a blueberry yeah. muffin rooibos. Yeah. You're kidding me. That's ridiculous. No, like, what, ha- what, ha- what happened to your brain there? Like that was, I mean, it's probably amazing and I can't wait to try it. And I have to try it now that you told me that because I didn't realize <laughs> that you had that, but um, <laughs> you're getting creative. <laughs> Just got to keep playing around and making. I mean, I've even tried a licorice all sorts, and I, I didn't put that on the list. That's <laughs> What's the thing with the, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, Scandinavians have a thing for uh, for licorice. I think they don't do they? very much so. And ironically, we I've got a licorice tea, and it's not popular in this country, but yet the Scandies love it. So it's yeah, it's so different, different no. areas. I still can't get over that blueberry muffin. I'm gonna have to try that. <laughs> Blowing my mind somehow. I love blueberry muffin. I, I'm, I'm, I want to see you. Really on me too. Huh? Yeah, we, I used to wake up in the mornings in my friend's house and we used to make the blueberry muffins from scratch and eat them on the Saturday mornings with my friends. So that's one of the reasons I had to make a tea out of it. Yeah. It has a, it has a story to me. The that's good. Muffins. I like that. I like that a lot. So is that your favorite tea or is there um, something? Well, your personal actually, my, my favorite tea, I'm, I'm a real purist with a pure white and pure green tea. So I, I love just, I could drink green tea and white tea all day. But I, I'll, my new one, like my white tea and rose petals, that's find that really delicate and refreshing. What do, you, what do you mean, forgive me, what do you mean when you say white tea? Like green tea? Ah, okay. What's white tea? So basically, they all come from the same plant, the Camellia synthesis, I can never say it, but that's the tea plant. First of all, the, the newest and freshest of all the tea leaves when it's picked, it's white. Then it yeah. goes green. And then you have all your oolong and uh, lapsang and all that, depending on how it's oxidized and the age. Um, so yeah, white tea is absolutely freshest, the purest, and the um, probably the one that has the most antioxidants, I'd say, too. Right. So I'm going to have to send you some white tea for you to try. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to now. And uh, it, I was about to say, like, if it reaps the health benefits, then uh, 100%. It, it, it takes some, like, your green and white tea takes getting used to. It, it's not it's not sweet, but I've made some um, green tea sweet, like my rhubarb and vanilla and the apple strudel takes away the, the bitterness too. So it just becomes kind of like you don't even realise you're drinking green tea. Yeah. Uh, Apple strudel, that's fantastic. You've got a ridiculous amount of flavor. How many have you created? Do you know the number? Oh, over, over 30, but I've got a lot up my sleeve working. I'm constantly coming out on you, and I have to really, because with the afternoon teas, they, every season they want new stuff coming in. So I'm always working. You've got to keep it coming. You've got to keep yeah, it going, yeah. basically. Now, I'm um, out ideas, though, trust me. My list is endless. It goes on. <laughs> What's I can't on the... tell you to calm down. <laughs> too much going on. Does that impact that? But it must that that must really impact the manu like not just sorry not just the manufacturing but like the actual sourcing and the creating of the of your product because when you've got a pro, if you've got a product line of thirty that's mm. that's a totally different ball game to a product line of three or four right it becomes a, a lot more complicated and more, much much more expensive yes because it's getting the bulk buy of the ingredients makes it a lot more cheaper but because I'm spreading it out so thin it, yeah it's 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 but do you know what at the end of the day I could make better money. But I like to be more interested and have different varieties. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and what if if you could give uh, if you could give Shop Small and Eat Big um, our listeners a couple of of little um, little teasers for what's yeah. coming up? What what are you what are you planning? What are you thinking about in terms of new flavors? Oh well, I've um, I've got 
I've just launched one last week, which I just talked about now, which was the white tea with rose. Right. So, so the next one is kind of 11 Vivina herbal creation. And then come, I've got a lovely pumpkin spice one coming up in autumn. That's a, that's a good, that's, that feels like more tried and tested, at least in like coffee and stuff like that as well. That, that feels like it's going to go. That's I want to hear about the wacky stuff. Uh, tell me about the, you know, the next, I want to hear about the next blueberry muffin. Well, it's got to be something <laughs> wacky. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how wacky I tried like a, a hazel, the, the hazelnut and, um, walnut no, so hazelnut and pear that didn't really work out um but the blueberry muffin that worked out that was yeah. that was a cracker i think you'll enjoy that one and the ginger biscuit and the tiramisu i think you'll like too tiramisu really interests me and yeah. the sweet orange boy is, is lovely too actually they i i just i love them all to be honest i, I, I can drink them I, all day so. Yeah. <laughs> what? So yeah, you mentioned that hazelnut and pear that didn't work out. Were there any that you tried and then oh, like that you just tasted and thought, no, that's disgusting. I really, really want to create a tea with that lovely hazelnut taste in it, but it's I'm not getting the right flavors. It looks it, and it's not getting like I've got a really nice aroma for almond that works, but I haven't found one quite hazelnut yet. So I don't. It's not. It's got to be up to the Hoogly standard before it will be released. So, yeah, it's not there yet. What's, what's the problem? Is it just the hazelnut you're finding it hard to complement the hazelnut's aroma with other ingredients around it and it's just, just no, not it's working? The taste. I can't get the hazelnut taste out of it. I haven't found the right hmm. oil, if you like, because obviously if you brew hazelnut, you're not going to get that hazelnut taste. Um, yeah, it's it's just the pears there. Got the pear, but just it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting. I don't know, but I don't know about that one. I might move. There will, but there's the there will be other one. Yeah, definitely on the fence about that one. Well, I won't, I won't give too many of my crazy creators away because it has to be a surprise. Exactly, that's a fair point. It's a fair point, but we're we're happy <laughs> with, with what you've given away. <laughs> very much appreciated. Oh uh, no, my pleasure. Thank you for your time. No, thank you very much. It's been uh, been awesome having you on. Appreciate it.